On this week's show, we're going to be looking across a range of games and systems from as far into space as Arrakis all the way to Middle Earth. On top of all of that, one lucky viewer will get a chance to win Twilight 2000 by Free League. Uh, not this copy, this one's mine. But to be with a chance to win your own, you need to be a subscriber to the channel. Comment below. And if you can, share us around and give us a like. That helps us out. Otherwise, sit back and relax. We're going to jump into the news and your weekend starts here. Hello everybody, we are back again to bring you another weekend's worth of fun and games. This week I'm joined by Ben, John and Free. We've abandoned Justin to the salt mines. <laughs> but that's because we have something very, well I was going to say, I was going to be a bit co-circumspect about what we have coming up next week, uh, except Osprey have already plastered it all over their social media. Mm. And next week, we're going to have a themed week. Oh my God, silver, yes. For the Silver Bayonet. Yeah. Um, and that's that's where Justin currently is, uh, sitting mm. with his little editing hat on, desperately cutting and splicing and trying to make it look like he's not losing all the games. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have, awesome. uh, I think it's two Let's Plays, is it? Some unboxings, uh, yeah. an interview as well. So it's going to be a week full of Awesome, vampiric, werewolfy, Napoleonic mm. brilliance. So yeah, cool. should be a lot of fun. Uh, I've just about recovered from speed painting everything. <laughs> You'll see those next week. You'll see them in the unboxings <laughs> as well, uh, yeah. including some of the stuff that isn't going to be out until the third wave. So yeah, early, early next yeah. year, some of the monsters. They uh, Nick sent us some of those over from North Star to, to give us a few things to chuck onto the field of of battle uh, and to stab people up with. So yeah. Tune in next week for a whole host of Napoleonic and Gothic horror goodness. Mm -hmm. uh, what else is out and about then, Ben? Uh, so, tickets are now available for UK Games Expo 2022. Um, so this is the event that's going to be run in Birmingham at the NEC and around the Hilton as well. Uh, next year, it's going to be running from the 3rd of June to the 5th of June. You can, at this very moment, head on over to their website and get your hands on some tickets. Uh, you can either go for a one-day ticket, a two-day ticket, or a three-day ticket, if you like, with that handy little set of checkboxes at the top of it there, as you can see. Um, so it just changes the price and modifies things for everybody. Um, yeah, should be really good fun. We are obviously going to be there covering the event, as we always mm -hmm. do. Uh, and it's going to be really fun to see everybody back playing games and having fun at the event, I think. Uh, it has exploded once again to include pretty much all of the NEC's halls. <laughs> I think it's over three halls again which is pretty cool That's great. um so there's going to be lots of the open gaming alongside the uh the larger vendor hall and everything like that as well and you'll have plenty of things like the family zone to get involved in so it really is one of those uh there was those events that kind of does everything it's got lots of stuff for families lots of stuff for people who are like hyper competitive and for those people that just want to shop as well so it's uh it's very cool and they've bundled uh a studio up stuck it in the middle of the arena and they're going to be stuffing uh, myself and Warren in there, so we won't mm. be able to sit comfortably at home drinking coffee. 
while you guys do all the work. Uh, so, you know, that'll be fascinating. You'll all be forced to work this year. Uh, yeah, all so, forced to work, yeah, which means you can come uh, along and, and just see how tall I am. Exactly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, like the bell on did, absolutely. Yeah. And you too can go to UK Games Expo and get yourself a pair of Van Braces, just like Justin. Exactly. Just like Justin. Yeah, just. mm. uh, I will also say... <laughs> Your hat was amazing, dude. And a hat. Uh, I will also say that um, they have also said that event stuff is going to be coming out sort of the start of next year. Um, so they're going to be working on exactly what you can go and see and do and everything uh, sort of January, February time. So once more information comes out about that, we'll obviously be talking about it and we'll be chatting with the guys at uh, UK Games Expo. I think sort of like March time as well about everything that's going on. So watch out for all yeah. of the coverage in the run-up to the event in june so yes glad to have that back yeah well, plenty back, more coming. bigger and better than ever so, yeah. nature is yeah. healing expos are returning <laughs> uh, apart from the uk games expo uh we're into almost the final week of the global yeah. Gunslinger league as well mm-hmm. yeah so if you're not aware, we have been doing some Wild West Exodus-y goodness for third edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, myself and Justin have been painting up two factions. And uh, this week, I've got some huggable, exploding bomb humans. <laughs> Everybody loves them. Why don't you? Uh, so if you've not already joined in, you can still do that. Uh, start a project over on tabletop.com uh, and just get stuck in. Start painting and uh, putting your force together and uh, if you've already got a force and people around you then get some battle reports in as well um we've a, a couple of big prizes for this uh, that we'll be announcing when we come back in the new year so if you've not started already uh there's no mad panic that you're going to miss out on a chance for a prize um because as i said when we were starting this off they don't need to be finished um but if you you know if you're working through it and we like what we say you could be a winner. Uh, so yeah, get stuck into the Global Gunslinger League and join the Forces of the Enlightened, the only faction worth playing. I'm just saying, if you're not if you're not playing Enlightened, you're doing it wrong. It's biased, that. It's biased. It's not, it's not biased. It's not biased <laughs> at all. Who doesn't love mechanical things and recycling? Everybody <laughs> loves mechanical things and recycling. Arachnids, they're nature's killer. That's why Superman has to fight one in the third act. <laughs> It all makes sense now. Wow. It's, it's, it's a deep I'm truly fans there. I am truly enlightened now, Jerry. Thank mm. you. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's the faction of Greta Thunberg, so it is, yeah. Close. Yeah. Upcycling. <laughs> if you've got a farmer, they're not good at fighting. If you strap a bomb to that farmer and give it mechanical legs and make sure that it can't turn around of its own volition, then that becomes a terrifying weapon of destruction. Of course. Just saying. It's how I deal with farmers. <laughs> <laughs> get too many subsidies anyway from the union but apart from the global gunslinger league mm-hmm. um we have a ton of news to bring you on this week's show but we're going to kick things off as always with the most important part of the show the indie of the week and this week ben who have you found so uh this week uh i've picked a company that we talked about last year when they did their kickstarter uh, to get mm-hmm. things set up for the sort of kingdom of Dunmere and stuff. Uh, but we're going to be looking at Monkstone Miniatures, uh, mm-hmm. which is uh, the creation of Jack Good, who has been creating some very weird and wonderful looking miniatures that I think a lot of people will be particularly enamored with, especially if like 
Free and John and Jerry, you like things like Moonstone. Uh, <laughs> because all of these miniatures are incredibly whimsical and wonderful and a little bit weird and odd at the same time. Nice. Um, so, yeah, as I say, so there is no game around this. It's just a miniature collection at the moment. Not every range has to have a, a game attached to it. Correct, Mondo. Uh, and this is all based around the kingdoms of Dunmere. So, all the different characters that you see here are sort of born of um, sort of weird, twisted, folklore esque fantasy that mm. Jack has come up with. And sort of, and, and everything has a background to it, which I think is really nice about this stuff. Uh, and as you can see um, from this lovely little collection that they've already worked on here, as I say, a lot of it came through Kickstarter, I think, mm. sort of end of last year. Uh, it is just some amazing looking stuff. Um, some of their newer miniatures are the two at the top you can see there. So you've got Bruno, which is the Minotaur Exile, which I just thought was fantastic. Uh, and then you've got the, also the Madrigors as well, which are which are really cool. But yeah, so one of the nice things about this collection too, and I think they did the same thing with the Kickstarter, is that if you get in at the ground floor with a lot of the miniatures when they first come out, you get the sort of art print as well and a little bit of background, oh, yeah. on it, which is nice. Um, all of them are 28 mil. Uh, scale so um, it was interesting because I, I so I talked to Jack about this in an email and he was like they're all slightly bigger or smaller than 28 mil but that's because I've not worked on any proper humans yet and I was like okay cool four awesome so <laughs> so they are 28 mil so they'll work alongside a lot of other stuff but they kind nice. of they've got that heroic proportion to them as well so they'll work with a lot of other different games yeah. too if you if you like that but um that I mean that shows Pigley there as well gives you a good idea that's kind of an ogre size that's a 40 mil round it's on um i did um, i unboxed these i have a set of them yeah uh so i think i as is my want i generally stick a ruler in whenever i'm unboxing so people can see <laughs> how big they are I mean, how um, big they are exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah so when you're looking at something like this uh it's difficult to get a sense of scale and proportion but i have to say that they are the very epitome of boutique uh they come in delightful little black boxes with the the little black and white art print uh, and then on the back of it is is the description, the backstory uh, of whoever it happens to be. So, for example, you see Bruno over there. Um, but the, the this was the initial Kickstarter uh, that I had a wee look at. I might actually have my videos on this. I don't know. I'll have to scroll down and see. In the news article we did for it. So oh, you can it? check it out on the website. But yeah. <laughs> Why are you not moving? Oh, there you're moving. You're just moving very slowly. Oh. <gasps> No, I'll come back to you. you oh, that, the snail is gorgeous. I the snail, love the that snail, snail is by far and away my favourite. So here you Long. see things like the the little boggarts, twenty three mil tall. So even though they've got these huge heads and, and sort of very comically bulky proportions, um, they are still goblin halfling gnome sized to a human. And, and I like the the fact that they've got that sort of dumpy look to them. Because if you put a, a human beside it, it does look like it's a whole other race. It's not it's just a short human for once. I it looked a bit like genius. Justin's D and D character, to be fair. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The thing that's quite nice about these is it, it very much reminded me because I, I grew up like in the nineties, and during sort of like the mid portion of the nineties, a lot of the shows that were on the BBC were done with puppets and things. So you've got things like the Phoenix on the carpet, if anybody remembers that, with that weird little gremlin thing uh, in it. And so this just reminded me of all that stuff where it's just a little bit odd and uncanny. Mm -hmm. And you can imagine these things being puppeted around and sort of chasing children <laughs> through the woods, trying to eat them or something. Um, but, Why would uh, that chase a child through the woods, trying to eat it? 
<laughs> I mean, that's the friendliest thing you could see yeah. in the forest, <laughs> coming at you with its rusty sickle yeah. and its cyclopean eye. And I'm not sure where its mouth begins or ends, which is no. probably a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> what I quite liked about them, this as well is that I'm I'm I really enjoy it when a sculptor. Uh, or someone who's creating a world puts these like snippets of lore in alongside mm. things mm. because then that means that if, you, if you're not going to well if you are going to use these for the games you kind of get an in as to how they might fit into something that you would be playing so obviously you've got things like the madrigals here which are the, like these strange creatures that have been sort of grown by witches uh, like mandrakes and things in like harry potter or whatever uh, and sort of they've been used for her her interesting weird wiles and stuff in the woods and so you could you could put together a scenario where you have something like the sort of scenario that i just described where you have them scouting around the wood trying to hunt someone down and drag them back to the witch's house or something i think mm. would be really cool i also like that it's all, it's obviously got that kind of slightly twisted fairy tale look to a lot of this stuff as well so i mean you know <laughs> whether or not it was intended or not i think it probably was the three pigs are obviously three pigs and so if you use them against like a big howling wolf or something suddenly you've got an interesting story there where these three pigs are actually like no screw you wolf we're gonna come beat you up <laughs> it's a, yeah, yeah whole universal. a wolf desperately yeah. trying to keep three pigs out of its den exactly yeah, yeah. oh just i love the way that this looks like a mustache and a nose mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. it's ingenious you don't often see snails let alone with feet walking around you as a little backpack that's beautiful snails are normally quite gross he's made that look adorable never would I normally (laughs) think I mean they took the shell off my racing snail but unfortunately it's been very sluggish since then god you're welcome but I like this I like the travelling tinker look yeah yeah Um, because it's it's just so different and this one was enormous as you can Mm -hmm. see from the the size of Tothers yeah, uh, there's a game we're going to be talking about later in the show, um, Vason, which mm. I, I think these in particular might be an interesting thing to use as inspiration for stuff. So, for example, things like the Spriggans and, and, and the Boggarts and things yep. would be fantastic in terms of matching up with the art style and stuff from the, the world of Vason. Say if you wanted to use miniatures and have investigators going off to hunt things down in the woods and things, they'd be perfect for that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, so there is, it's definitely a range that while very unique and, mm. and boutique, as Jerry was saying, would fit into a lot of stuff. Um, like I know a lot of people who've said that, you know, they're using things uh, like the pigs and stuff alongside other miniatures from other creators, like the stuff from Moonstone to play out very weird versions of Frostgrave, for example, uh, which I think is really cool where they're not necessarily looking around a, a magical frozen city, but they're exploring like haunted ruins in the depths of, you know, darkest Europe and stuff, which I think is really cool. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a really nice little range. And while incredibly new, I think it's definitely one that a lot of people should, should go and have a look at. Um, I think in particular people who love their painting and, and, and hobbying are going to quite enjoy this because it's the kind of, these are the kind of miniatures that you, you go, oh yeah, I'll get that and I will just paint it. I don't mm-hmm. care if I use it, I'm just going to paint it. So, <laughs> Chuck this in here very briefly because I do have a ruler up against it. Oh. It, is, it is my wand in life. So I mean, <laughs> that's what, 40 mil to eye level mm-hmm. and almost <laughs> 60 to the top of the axe so those big uh piggies are particularly good for standing in as ogres and trolls if you don't want to just always have the same 
ogres, or even to be fair, finding ogres and trolls that aren't very specific to the game that they're being manufactured for is sometimes difficult. Um, so it's it's nice to see things like that, where you can just drop them in and you can go, okay, I'm going to play Frostgrave. What is it? It's a goblin or it's an orc or whatever it happens to be. I mean, he has a, a very distinct look. I'd look at him. He's still only coming into 18 mil to eye level, you know, so it's perfect size for those smaller folk. Mm. Um, but yeah, Sneely is by far and away my favorite, but these these orcs are particularly good. I think the orcs also had the only alternate parts, which is uh, they had a couple of head variants. Um, the rest, I think, are fairly standard. They're, they're one type builds, so uh, it doesn't they're not multi-part they're not multi-posed these have been designed and sculpted for a very specific look but saying that the look they have is so distinct i don't think i'd really want to play around with it too much mm. i mean you're not going to be sitting there going i need to have 20 of these so i need them to look different you can just go right ahead and have uh, that one sort of style and these three orcs creeping out of the darkness to batter the hell out of some mandrake roots is probably an excellent way to go. <laughs> I can just hear them squealing. They're great. Hmm. I imagine this is obviously the this could be the witch that those madragors are, are working for. Sort of. Yeah. Ooh. And I, I like the fact that they've gone with the idea of it's a witch, but she's also an ogre, so she will just beat you up. Pummel <laughs> you. So, yeah. <laughs> some sometimes when she goes out to collect bits and pieces for her spells and incantations, they fight back. <laughs> you know. I love that she's also got a door as her shield. Yeah. So she's clearly broken in somewhere. Oh or yeah. Maybe she's using that as a like the, the place where she holds her covens and things. Is that another mandrake there. Yeah, just behind yeah. the sickle. Yeah. There's a little tiny mandrake group. So, <laughs> so she's planted and grown into those madrigals, yeah. But yeah. It's it's a really nice little range of stuff. Uh, I will say um I think Monkstone, they were at Salute this year. Obviously, we didn't get to talk to them, unfortunately. But um, they uh, were hanging out with a bunch of other indie creators. So there's a a company that I looked at this week on the site called Mammoth, who Mm. do do a raw set called Planet 28. Maybe because I'm obsessed with Inquisitors at the moment. Uh, But they also do a raw set called Brutal Quest. So if you're interested in a kind of like a game that would sit alongside something like this, then go and check that out. So I'll put the link down to that below as well in there the show notes for you to go and have a look at because it's cheapest chips and and good fun so so yeah superb little range and uh it's nice to see that jack's started to uh expand it as well so it's Mm -hmm. not just going to be the uh the miniatures from the kickstarter there's there's more coming yeah Uh, Yeah. so it'd be fascinating to see what else the denizens Mm. of dunmere um yeah. come up with. i think i think one of the things that was quite good about this is that i think um zealot were helping him with a lot of the stuff that was working that in terms of um producing the miniatures yeah, which was quite nice the- and casting them yeah but uh, you know a nice little sort of like homegrown uk mm. uh, creator um and as i think as i say one of the nice things is that the, the range is expanding because i i, I had assumed it was going to be one that's going to be kind of like a secular kickstarter thing where new mm. things would come out via that right, constantly yeah. but obviously if a couple of the new miniatures are coming out without that then they're clearly doing well enough to, to to continue to do them without the the need to do the fundraising but it'll be interesting to see what happens you know sort of next year as things grow and change with this maybe a game will come out of it maybe maybe like some law books or something for you to use them mm. alongside something like D would be cool too so 
So yeah, interesting mm. stuff. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me whenever he says that things like the Dark Crystal were an influence on him. Um, <laughs> yes, <it's>, I. <laughs> yeah, a lot of that makes sense. But I, I think you're right. I don't think every miniature range needs a rule set. Um, mm. It's good sometimes just to have the miniatures and yeah. let people do what they want with it. Because when you start getting into rule sets, you tend to start getting more restrictive and prescriptive. Yeah. Uh, because you need X, X of this, etc. Yeah. And they need to be equipped with Y because that's what they have in the game. And then all of a sudden, some of the, the freedom of just being able to sit down and go, I just want a snail carrying a shop on its back uh, goes out the window. Because, <laughs> you know, that's not often going to be high on the list of things required for a skirmish yeah. game. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully the, the kingdom develops and we see a lot more weird and wacky stuff from Monkstone mm. miniatures. Yeah. Terrific, really cute, nice tight Lindy to start you with. We're going to take a quick swish, and when we come back, we're going to get stuck into the news. Coming to you from the center of Northwestern Europe. Covering board games, war games, card games, and all that you love. It's the News. <laughs> and so, yes, we are back with some wonderful tabletop gaming news that has been going on this week. Uh, we start things off. Uh, with a little bit of festive cheer. As you can tell, we're all wearing Christmas jumpers, apart from Jerry, the Grinch. Because <laughs> <laughs> it is Christmas jumper day, apparently, according to what Free, Free was telling us. Um, I've heard. I've probably got the date well off. If not, guys, I've just got all <laughs> Christmas jumpers on today. So really it's, actually, it's actually March. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. It's another one of these made-up things. Like, yeah. You know, Blue Monday and uh, Valentine's Day. <laughs> I refuse to... I refuse to uh, Concede. Thank uh, Christmas jumper. Yes. Yep. Um, yeah. So, uh, in the spirit of Christmas and festive stuff, uh, Wailing Games and War Cradle have put together a section of Christmas miniatures that you're able to get your hands on uh, this year. So, there. This is a section of the miniatures that were available over the last couple of years from uh, the guys at Wailing Games. You'll be able to pick all of them up throughout the month of December, all the way to the end of it, as you can see there, thirty first of December. Uh, you have three Wild West Exodus miniatures to choose from, as well as one of them from the Mythos universe as well. So you've got Krampus Rex, shown there at the front, looking very Krampusy. Mm. <laughs> I think I think it's possibly one of the coolest ones they've done for this. Section. I love um, that. I love how I, absolutely murderous he looks. Yeah, because yeah. like at first you're like, oh wow, that's nice and Christmassy, and then you see all the little details, such as the foot, and the arm, and the spikes yeah. coming, <laughs> and the big bloody club. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so you've got Krampus Rex there. You've got Kyle the red and white. Uh, who you can see there as well, uh, who's carrying a little tiny Dystopian Wars toy, as you saw in there. This was just before everything was re-released uh, for that game, which is pretty cool. So yeah. pretty awesome there. You've also got Madre Navidad as well. <laughs> I said that in the perfect way. Well done, obviously. well done. Uh, mounted on the top of her steed, as you can see there, ready to throw some explosives and blow people up on the back of her mechanical reindeer. The explosive pudding is a lovely touch. Exactly. That's nice, yeah. That's always when you put too much alcohol on the Christmas pudding. <laughs> Uh, and the last of the miniatures is Morozko, uh, which is one of the miniatures that was designed for Mythos. And this was the one from last year. Um, this fellow works for all of the different factions in Mythos, and he comes with a kind and unkind variant, as you can see there. So there's two miniatures in the pack for the price of one, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, the kind one delivers lovely gifts to the children and mm -hmm. also all your Mythos warbands. Uh, and then the other side of him, is very, very angry, and he gets stuck in and starts killing people with that nasty-looking crook, as you can see there, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, 
all of the miniatures in the set are uh, kind of are applicable to a character that already exists within the Wild Texas uh, universe, especially for those first three. Obviously, Morosco is its own character, uh, but each of those characters links to a character that exists within the different factions. You can see it in the story there if you want to go and look at it and mm. find out a bit more about it. Um, but yeah, so if you're interested in picking some of these up as alternative miniatures, using them as cri- in Christmas scenarios, then you can definitely do that this month. So you've got to do, head on over to their web store and get hold of them before the end of the month. So pretty cool. Why did you say that about the Christmas scenarios? That's something I want to see actually coming out from a lot of uh, companies. Mm-hmm. Is to just go in there and do little Christmas scenarios. Yeah. Um, that would be cool. Just for yeah. novelty value. They don't have to be particularly uh, balanced. They just have to be fun and seasonal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think Mark did a really good one for Moonstone, um, which is all about Grimble's snack and delivering presents. Uh, <laughs> and, and that's that's a hilarious uh, game as a fl- <laughs> frog with uh, – a long bearded gnome just chucks presents around the place while everybody else gets the, the living tar out of each other trying to get them. I mean, that, it's, it's just mental. Does that mean if um, if you want to do a First World War, like a Warlord Games, like Great War sort of thing, you could just play Subutio with the First World War figures on the top? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Christmas yeah. truce football in fact, game. In fact, the RAF did it. It was at Salute this year. Yeah. And we chatted yeah. about that. Yeah. It was good. And then a, a friend from Germany pointed out that Germany won that 3-2. <laughs> the score is never mentioned. It's always a football match in, in no man's land. Oh, they nice. You mean, yeah. mean to say it's the only World Cup they've ever had? Wow. Oh, no, no, they've had loads. England's <laughs> only had one World Cup. Germany have had, I think, six. Yeah. Best not go into the cup territory there. But, um, but yeah. <laughs> If there isn't any Christmas scenarios out there for your favourite game systems, if you are making your own ones, let us know what they are as well. You might be uh, festiving up your miniatures games or painting some a little different in the classic red, white and green. Yeah. But remember. Uh, Always got to do the Christmas check when you paint miniatures in red, white and green. You paint them and then you go, is it too Christmassy? <laughs> yes, it is. Strip them and start again. And just throw <laughs> some glitter on it after yeah. that. <laughs> There's no such thing as too Christmassy when it's an actual Christmas miniature. Well, it's only when you're painting yeah. non-Christmas miniatures yeah. you have to check. Um, and, and you know they used to do them years ago. Every every company used to chuck out something. Foundry, I think Foundry have resurrected theirs as well for Christmas. So Reaper, do those, well, yeah. Reaper do them as well. Reaper do them. Games Workshop, I think, are just doing the gobble. They did a big nasty orc as well. Oh, they've done, oh, they done so, a different one as well. Because yeah. oh, I've seen the, the, the gobbo reappearing the a couple gobble, of weeks ago. Yeah, the red gobble is back. I imagine they've just got a lot left over from last year that nobody bought. If that's <laughs> the case, if they've, done, if they've got two separate Christmas miniatures. <laughs> strange stuff. Uh, but yeah, Christmas time is here. Let's mm-hmm. move away from Christmas time. It's yes. the worst. And let's take a look at something far more interesting, which is uh, War Games Atlantic's announcement of the Space Brits coming soon to Tabletop in 2022. Uh, not exactly sure when these are going to be landing, but this will be the next of their Death Fields range. Um, so like the Grognards, the Napoleonic French in space, the uh, Space Brits are on their way. That is not going to be the name. They haven't told us what the name is yet. Uh, people are chucking around ideas like the old Contemptibles and stuff like that. Uh, but the box set will allow you to make 24 uh, of your sci-fi British figures. Uh, this is, is yeah, this <laughs> is an idea of what was 
going into the sprue. Uh, so mm -hmm. we're not sure of actual amounts or what way it's going to fit, but you will get four head mm -hmm. variants. Um, so you'll get things like the, the bear skins, the brody caps, the pith helmets. Um, and interestingly enough, it, it's a uniform that works very well because it changed in the late 1800s from scarlet and blue into khaki. Uh, so the, the actual design didn't change a huge amount to the First World War. Um, so whereas we've seen that the uh, very red Rourke's Drift-esque one that people be aware of from like the Zulu Wars in the 1870s, uh, they have actually also painted up one in uh, sort of khaki color. Oh, there he is there. And it, it suits... Suits as well. I did see somebody going, uh, I want more sci-fi. It doesn't look sci-fi enough. They should give them guns like in Star Wars, which made me almost choke on my coffee um, because in Star Wars, they used... MG-34s. MG-34s <laughs> and Lewis guns. Yeah. So the, the Lewis gun on the sprue was used in Star Wars as a sci-fi gun, but apparently that's not sci-fi enough. It should be more Star Wars-like. Uh, go figure. Was it, was, it the, was it the Rebels in Return of the Jedi had the... Um, MP44s as well. I think so. I there think also, they did. Yeah, they had all the sorts of things. Uh, I know the um, Jawas used a few British weapons as well. But you know, things like having the uh, the blooper for the grenade launcher uh, is quite nice because generally you see the big drum mags, whereas that's very old school. Having the, yep. the rocket launcher be the the Piat uh, flamer, you know, uh, there should be a good mix of stuff in there that will allow you to play your sort of sci-fi your 40k or your uh, space 1889 sort of victoriana equally well uh so yeah i'm i'm excited for these people have been crying out for plastic mordians and plastic praetorian guard forever, forever <laughs> and a day uh since gw first made them then went we're not releasing them then released them as a limited set and then went yeah <laughs> goodbye they're they're not happening ever again so so yeah it'll it'll be a a box set that I'm sure will go down a storm when it finally arrives. Uh, so it'll just be a case of watching and waiting to see what is the actual release date when they get them tooled. Uh, apart from the Space Brits, uh, they've also shown off uh, the actual Conquistador sprue in a bit more detail, nice. including the little half sprue. So we'd seen this and I knew there was a half sprue coming, but we hadn't seen that part, um, which allows you to get in there nice. and make various variants for your not just your invasion of south america but also you know you can play your uh european conflicts as well because they make very good turcos and um even if you want you could do something like uh the samurai versus portuguese i think it's battle of Futkama. wouldn't have thought would happen but no, <laughs> there you go. Uh, i don't think they fought on land but the the it was a naval conflict but at one point they attacked a, a the, the sort of the main portuguese ship uh and a bunch of uh portuguese soldiers fended them off so as your uh feudal feudal japanese are attacking you can be trying to stave off the attack and you can move it to land if you want um, but if you do plan on doing south america they've also shown off the first this is this is one from the the shop floor sort of thing so it's yes. not going to be as detailed <laughs> quite as, as the others as yeah. <laughs> but the, this is the first yeah. test cast through for the aztecs uh, so as you can see, uh, a lot of variety on the sprue, including those wicked uh, obsidian clubs or obsidian-bladed oh, cool. clubs, yeah. uh, which will win friends and influence people. <laughs> I, quite, I also like the fact that they've got things like the Jaguar 
skinned warriors on it and, and, um, and that sort of thing as well. Because if you were planning on doing it, you'd imagine it would be more of the standard um, sort of get up where you're not having the, the massive weird leopard skin onesie uh, rocking around the place. <laughs> I, I just like that because it's one of the things the first time i heard of aztec warriors when i was in primary school there was a very vivid picture of a jaguar warrior leaping forward uh, and about to club somebody to death with one of those massive obsidian whacking sticks uh, and that one stuck with me for a while because apart from his massive tigger onesie uh, he also had beautiful plumage so much plumage coming off the back of him uh, it was a stunning piece of artwork from those, those old those old reference books were didn't shy away. I remember reading one about like the the like Cortez's invasion and stuff, and there was a piece of artwork probably similar to to, to what you've seen where there's just this Aztec warrior braining this this Spanish guy. There's blood flying off an elbow. Oh, yeah. I was like, well, this is cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's I want to well, be a war gamer. <laughs> it's like everything, everything was better in the old days. Um, <laughs> even even things like the airfix. Uh, box covers um, used to have so if you if you bought something like a, a Wellington bomber or whatever it would you know the box art would be a bomber and maybe one of its engines had been knocked out and there was you know other planes dogfighting behind it and some of them falling out of the sky and all the rest um, and recently they went back and airbrushed out things like the damage and the oh. the, the pilots ejecting and, and parachuting down and Bad. people being shot up because apparently war is a bit too bloodthirsty. Um, so it's a tragedy. Thought it. War is violent. <laughs> There's a really good documentary with um, James May where he talks to the artist who did the original artwork for the airfix. And they, they do a side by side. Like uh, he pulls out a like an A two sheet because he you know it's all hand painted and hand drawn. So big big A two sheet with the original box art, and then they pull up the the modern version where it's just like flying on a Sunday afternoon. It's very sunny. It's lovely. There's nobody <laughs> out there. There's nothing to worry about. Move along, Sorry. people. Yeah. So um, so yeah, the old days are great. But anyway, Space Brits 2022 and uh, hopefully the Aztecs and Conquistadors in the not too distant future from War Games Atlantic. So okay. it opens up possibilities, so many possibilities. Not sure where they're going to go yet, but I'll find I'll find a way to shoehorn them into they've, a game. They've done more of their polls as well at War Games Atlantic asking what they want to see next. So yeah. and there's Landschnecht Ogres on the way that uh, somebody won one of the uh, like the, they did a competition poll. And the, the winner picked those. So a big box set of very empire-like ogres are coming in plastic, and and I, you know, will murder any three people to get my hands on those. <laughs> a man needs. Hold on, there's three of us here. What? <laughs> just saying, I'm just distracting you while my assassins creep up. Anyway, if you want to survive free, how would you go about it? We are heading into the water to bring a game back of nostalgia from the quiet okay so stronghold games are bringing out a new edition of survive escape from atlantis for their 30th anniversary and this one is one of those games that i'm gonna be purchasing before christmas comes around so if you've never played the game before players are going to work on a board which is made up of 40 different hex tiles so the island is in peril it's in chaos because the volcano in the middle it's going to explode it's going to get through the whole population of the island and it is up to the players to get them off from the island by a boat or using their human powered limbs to swim to the surrounding safe place so just because the civilians are in the water away from the exploding volcano does not mean that they are safe they're far from it because they will be out of the fire and into the frying pan with 
sea creatures looking for their next meal or just a human to play with because why not so not only has the game been updated with new artwork it's had a bit of a revamp aesthetically but there's been some tweaks gameplay as well as cutting down some time of play as well so what I will say is this was a game that I adored as a kid. And by adored, I mean, this is a game that my sister was always unable to grasp and that didn't happen often. So I was the person at the end with the most villagers safe, leaving my sister in a stress, drowning away with the sea serpent. So that was fun. So <laughs> you can get your hands on the new edition on December the 15th. So if you do remember this title like I do and want to relive the competitive panic over Christmas, um, I will be forcing my sister to open the gift of Christmas revival to bring back some painful memories of me leaving her in the dust this year. So uh, if you do remember this one, it is quite a nice feeling, nostalgic one for me. So uh, really excited for this one to come back. Has it changed much then? It looks like the the board's different. There used to be kind of like a little whirlpool bit from what I remember. It's been so long since I've seen the board and there was like a little indent. Do you remember that, Ben? Uh, And you had symbols going around the outside of this little indent. Yeah, so the the original... The, yeah, so the, the original game that I played, weirdly, that came from a car boot sale of all places, <laughs> it didn't have dice for deciding what the monsters did. It had like a spinny disc with a yeah. ball bearing in it, so you span that, and that's what happened, because it would land on a number, and then the segments of that would be the monster that would activate at that time. And then obviously they revamped it into the version you see there, which <laughs> uses... Also, the original version, because obviously this was back during the 90s or whatever, had mm. massive, huge plastic blocks instead of uh, as oh the Oh, my God, is the, uh, the volcano big blocks. Tiles. <laughs> so it was, like, it was like a Restoration Games thing almost back then, actually. And it had little plastic models for everything, and the little people were little tiny, um, like, wooden pieces. Mm-hmm. Same wooden pieces now, the meeples, obviously, at this point. But then I think with this one, what they've done, as, as Free was saying, is they've changed and sort of revamped the artwork a little bit on the tiles and the islands and everything like that as well. It'll be interesting to see what they've balanced gameplay-wise. Because mm-hmm. one of the things that was always interesting about that game for me is that you could play it two different ways. You could either play it where you looked at the bottom of the pieces and they each had numbers on them, and that was how many victory points they scored if you got them to the island. So you'd look at them all, remember where they, who you, that, which ones was which, and put them on the island in strategic places to get them off. And that's like the hardcore version, because you're like, I know that guy's worth five points, don't you dare sink him. No. Or you can play the relaxed version, where you don't look at the numbers at the bottom, you put everyone wherever you want, and then you just see what the score is at the end. Or, or that's you, the nice way. Or you can be in the happy medium and did what I did, and looked at the numbers when I knew my sister didn't, and just be like, oh, so that Naughty, naughty. <laughs> shocking. shocking. Yeah, it looks cool, though. Yeah. Yeah. Does it... Does it generate the island every time, or is that a fixed island? I'm just so the, the island's completely it, it, randomly generated every yeah. time. Okay, because cool. you place the tiles down, going yeah. from the middle outwards until you run out, basically. So you do uh, like uh, you turn them all over, and then you mm. go outwards from there. So it's really cool. So, but yeah, well, it's a good little game actually. It is. Yeah. It's quite a fun, nice little one. Fascinating yeah. stuff, and two to four mm-hmm. players. Yes, yes. So, so it means somebody gets to be referee then in a lot of households. Where they just <laughs> sit there and drink and enjoy themselves. And watch the mayhem and sue yeah. the tears. They can decide why it's right that the shark ate you and not your brother. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that how that one goes? Yes. Yep. <laughs> so suspense, adventure, and thrills mm-hmm. uh, with Survive, the Escape mm-hmm. from Atlantis. That'll be a fascinating one to see. Obviously not as good as the time MacGyver found Atlantis, but a few things are. <laughs> Weirdly, MacGyver found Atlantis with Gimli. So 
And yeah. I do love a bit of John Reese Davis. Do you remember that he used to be the kingpin at one point in an, a, a straight to TV movie for the Hulk? So yes, yeah. yes. No, why? Yeah, he was kingpin, and he was all techno kingpin. <laughs> it was really weird. But anyway, it's probably because like most things, yeah. he didn't like to move around a lot. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm not going to not going to do complicated fighting. You run forward, and I'll bop you with my axe. Yeah. Well, he was in an Indiana Jones, wasn't he? Was he in Temple of Doom? He was in a couple. He, he played in, in the Fez House. First one, the last one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, the the first one of the original trilogy. No, the first one and the last one. You were correct. You don't, you don't need to. Oh yes, of course. There. Yes, All right. Yes, that's how that one. Anyway, uh, but yes. So moving away from uh, surviving in Atlantis uh, to surviving during the Vietnam War. Uh, so Rubicon models have been putting together a one fifty six scale collection of miniatures uh, for playing out this period of warfare. Um, so some of the stuff that we've been seeing recently over on social media and things has been around their United States Marine Corps Marines, as you can mm-hmm. see here. Uh, so they're going to be doing incredibly high detailed plastic kits, as they always do, uh, putting together um, fascinating troops for you to use during this period. Um, this has been like the first time that we've actually seen a lot of this stuff fully painted in this way uh we'd seen some things previously when they've been doing some play testing and that kind of thing but it's really nice to get a little bit of a close-up on what they've been doing just so you can see the different weapon variations the different options they've got for the the various soldiers uh because as as you can see they've got lots of variations there in terms of like the different soldiers that we've been fighting during that period which is pretty cool um shipper pointed out that um as well as this just being a models range as rubicon had tend to do uh they are actually going to be doing a game based around this as well um i think you talked to them at was it a uk games expo about about the what they were planning for this john yeah um but between times of drooling over all the plastic kits they had on that table <laughs> and uh trying to decide if i was going to buy something for myself yes we were talking to them briefly at the uk games expo about the the game system they're coming up with so mm. hopefully with a, a lot of these previews and stuff it won't be too far away now until we we start seeing some maybe some wider play testing beginning or people starting to pick some of these ranges up and have a look at them mm-hmm. i for one absolutely think that the the cornerstone of all their their nam range is the huey they they've uh, been putting out there at the minute it just looks like one of the finest miniatures they've produced and that's saying something because everything they come out with just gets better and better and better every time i want to have a look at some of this infantry as well to see what it's like up close in that as well. I've seen little glimpses here and there. And as you said, Ben, this is like some of the first times we've seen them all painted up and everything. So look at that, Yui. So good. <laughs> That'd be fascinating. If people aren't aware of Rubicon, um, they describe their stuff as 156 rather than 28 mil, because unlike most companies, they actually work in scale. Um, which which will, measurement, yeah. which will confuse and baffle people, and they might yeah, get. These I know it does me. <laughs> they, they might get these miniatures and find that they're a little bit bigger than they were expecting in comparison to uh, the likes of Warlord or um, Empress, that sort of thing. But because they actually scale their miniatures, all of the vehicles and all of the humans are the right size. You don't get that. You sometimes get a disparity from companies where the the tanks are either smaller than they should be or much Easily much bigger. Depending on how they're feeling on any given day, I think there's there's no real consistency. Whereas uh, they decided to buck the trend and actually just go, yes, we're, we're gonna we start to scale modelers. We're gonna do everything in a, a scale. So, yep. but uh, yeah, it should be fascinating to see what they do. They never actually said what way the system's gonna work, did they? In that interview, 
we had a look at, I think they had some prototype kind of um, measuring devices right. and, and templates. I, I, we didn't really get much of an in-depth mm. chat about the system itself because they were, they basically said it's an alpha kind mm -hmm. of testing. They're yeah. just playing around with it at that point. Well, well, people... well, I was going to say, what's quite nice about the range just in general, though, is that it's not just them doing the, the Marine to the United States yeah. side of things, the US side of things. They're also working on all the Viet Cong and the NBA stuff as well. So you've got the full gamut of different thing, uh, different miniatures that you'd need for that period. And like th this has been in development for a really, really long time now. Um, they've been showing off previews of this since I think even like last year, I think, yeah. uh, sort of delving into this and exploring it. So, you know, you're going to have the access to all of your Marines. You're going to have access to all of your Viet Gong troops as well. You're going to have things like the Sampan there that you see as well. So, and the vehicles, obviously we talked about the, the helicopters and things, but they're also working on other bits and pieces too. So they really have sort of approached this from sort of a, if you want to play Vietnam, we are a company you can come to to play that uh, which I think is quite interesting because I, I think a lot of people are quite taken by the period, mm -hmm. but don't necessarily know exactly how to dive into it. Because I, I, don't, I don't think many companies it, since, I guess, Battlefront doing their Vietnam version in, in 15 mil have really touched the period, to be honest. Um, so it'd be very nice to see sort of them take command of that period of history and sort of show off what they can do with it, I think. So. Mm -hmm. If, if, it, if it works out for them, if it works out for them, then it's a a very important feather in their cap as a company as well because it it gets their first rule system out there as something that as you rightfully say hasn't been covered that much either so it'll be fascinating to see how much of it is hard plastic um because the majority of the stuff that they do is just hips but they do also cast stuff in resin as well when they're going to be uh sort of one-off pieces or upgrades and, and bits and bobs uh, which they've done a lot for the, the World War II bits that they already have out there. So uh, I wonder what, what way they're going to go or because they've got a rule set attached, if they'll try and focus in and make it all hard plastic. So hmm. fascinating stuff. If people are interested in Vietnam, one to watch out for. Uh, I think next year is possibly going to be a big year for Vietnam as well. There's several other companies working on rule sets and a couple of independent designers as well. So it just seems to be... The way of things, we always seem that to That's cyclical nature, cyclical nature, that nature, that circular nature, Jesus Christ, of the industry. Hey! Yeah. <laughs> one, one person releases a rule set and all of a sudden four others appear that have mm -hmm. all been worked on at the same time. It's just yeah. one yeah. of those things, like buses. <laughs> but uh, moving away from the historics and off to Middle Earth then, Ben. Mm, yes. So... Uh, Free League, as, as I'm sure many people will be aware, uh, ran their Kickstarter for the One Ring in the new edition of that. Uh, the, and now digital versions of the game are out there in the wild and you can pre-order the physical versions of the book as books, sorry, I should say books as well, ahead of a release in the early portion of 2022. So you're able to get your hands on the new core rulebook, uh, which has been lovingly illustrated oh my god it is beautiful i was flicking through uh my digital copy and it is packed full of amazing artwork um really? which, that's, that's unusual for free league 
Exactly. Exactly. Someone had complained about the artwork that they're using in terms of like this style. Mm -hmm. And someone pointed out very accurately, the reason that the faces aren't as like detailed as you think. And this was some, I think an artist who like heard from something from one of the illustrators is so that you can imagine your character within that, that, that person. Yeah. I thought it was quite cool. But anyway, I really like it. So screw you. Um, but anyway, so the core rule book, uh, the core, core rule book comes with everything for making characters um, throughout Middle Earth. Uh, they're really focusing on uh, Eriador with this one. So that's mm-hmm. kind of like the Shire and, and Rivendell and all that kind of thing. So that side of the mountains, whereas the previous editions of uh, edition of the game has kind of looked at Ravanian. So that's sort of like um, Mirkwood and Erebor and all that kind of thing there. So they've sort of shifted it away over to I guess a more um, uh, an, an area of Middle Earth that more people will be familiar with right off the bat, which I think is quite nice. Um, the system itself is very nice, simple, easy to dive into, uh, in in much the same way as I think Tolkien's writing. Mm-hmm. The focus of this role playing game isn't necessarily just to beat up all the orcs you can find and steal their treasure. It's very much about exploration, social encounters, journeying, which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the amount of time and effort you could put into maps in this is astronomical. Uh, and I, I, there's so much stuff in there for like planning journeys and having people take on certain roles as you do that. Uh, there's really fascinating stuff in there about sort of like corruption and that kind of thing as well. So you're expected because you're a, you know, one of the free peoples and the good peoples of Middle Earth, you're expected to be a good person and, you know, help people out and don't do things for money and all that kind of stuff, which I think is quite cool and quite nice. Uh, and I love that they've sort of worked in this sort of like treachery and shadow system into there to kind of like uh, sort of take characters in the right direction, but also then add role-playing stuff in there if you do start to become slightly more like Boromir or something, as you're sort of lusting over the Awesome, region. you mean? Well, awesome I mean, like Bor- Boromir, is, Boromir is freaking <laughs> cool. Well, so, yeah. On that note then, um, mm-hmm. a lot, I would say actually the vast majority of free league systems are all based on that dice pool your um, zero engine. Mm-hmm. This isn't. No, no, no. So this is based on the original system from the One Ring. Uh, that was that. They obviously turned it into the Cubicle Seven, turned it into the um, the D and D Five E system. But the sort of the core of this is based around. It's saying it's two D six, and then you roll a D twelve at the same time, mm-hmm. uh, and that kind of you you all of the, everything you need to hit target number wise and stuff is usually focused in on your character sheet, which I think is quite nice. Right. So you roll against your target numbers rather than the target numbers of an opponent, which I think is really cool, apart from yep. some times in combat and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you have this D12, which is really nice because that gives you the kind of additional elements that will help you succeed and fail potentially within your, your roles because on that dice is a Gandalf symbol and there's also the Eye of Sauron as well. And that can sort of affect things and take it in different ways with successes and stuff. But uh, so yeah, the system is really, really, as I say, very, very easy to get your head around. Like that is a small portion of the book. The rest of it is all given over to all the other things you'll need to do if you're traveling around Middle Earth. As you can tell, I'm quite excited about it. Oh, um, really? We hadn't yeah. I'm in excited addi- listening to you, Ben. Yeah. In, 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 in addition to the core rule book, there's also a starter set that's been designed for this and freely do really, really great starter sets. As many people will test to if they've looked at the Alien one or the Tales from the Loop. Uh, the starter set for this puts you in the, uh, well, I was going to say puts you in the boots, 
but it puts you in the hobbity furry feet of a section of different hobbits who are trying to look after the Shire. Uh, so as you can see there, demonstrated by that map, you'll be adventuring through the Shire and meeting all different sorts of characters, dealing with actual big monsters like wargs and stuff in the woods, but also other social encounters. So you'll be trying to solve mysteries and all that kind of thing as well. So it's a proper hobbity old time of it, which I think is really cool. And once again, the artwork is amazing. Yeah. Um, what I really like about this, and it's something that I, I don't think enough companies do with their starter sets, is that they not only put in I think you, of course, haven't do this really well as well, by the way. Mm -hmm. They've put in enough for not just one session, but multiple sessions. Nice. And there's enough in there because of that Shire compendium for you to continue to tell stories in that beyond what you do in the starter set. Mm -hmm. So it's not one of these things where you play this, you're done in one yes, session. One and done, and then you have to buy the, buy the core rule yeah. kind of thing, yeah. You can get this and have just as much fun with this as you would just buying the core work and playing that with your friends. I think it's really cool. Um, it's a... As I say, reading through this in its digital um, style at the moment, mm -hmm. uh, I think it, its digital form, I think has been has been really good, and uh, I think they've put a lot of effort and a lot of love into this. As I say, the artwork's fantastic, and there's some really cool secrets in it as well. Oh my god, there's some secrets in there that you'll be like, "Oh, that's so cool!" If you like Lord of the Rings, um, there's there's also uh, this set. So this is the Lawmaster screen. Uh, so that Lawmaster screen just looks beautiful, as you can see there. Mm. Uh, it comes with everything you need on the back of it for playing the game. So you can set that up as the Lawmaster and have fun. But you also get within this the Rivendell Compendium too. So this contains, much like the Shire one does in the, uh, the start set, loads and loads and loads of information, maps, ideas for adventures for playing around the realm of Rivendell and the last homely house. Um, there's also rules for new pa a patron in there as well. So you can have Elrond as a patron mm -hmm. rather than um, not a Patreon. That's all I was thinking there. Elrond's got a Patreon. Yeah. Um, but um, you also find rules in there for making high elven characters as well. Um, so if you uh, you obviously don't find those in the core book, you've got things like the Dunedain and all that kind of thing in there, which is really cool. But yeah, if you want to play high elves, then you definitely want to pick this up. So maybe nudge your lore master to go and pick this up so that you can play as your favourite um, Glorfendel-like uh, character <laughs> on the tabletop. Um, yeah, very, very cool stuff indeed. And as uh, I say, all of it's coming sort of uh, out physically at the start of 2022. Uh, and I have no doubt that a lot more stuff is on the way from Freebie mm. for this. I have a lot of points to point out um, for those people that did like the fifth edition version of Adventures in Middle Earth, which they did, well, Cubicle 7 did uh, a couple of years ago. They are working towards doing a fifth edition sort of version of the game as well. So if your group is primarily playing that and enjoying the mechanics from D&D &D and 5e, then you do have that to look out for in the future. They did something similar for Simbaron, I think it was, uh, mm. and a lot of people have really dived into that and had fun with it. So... Yeah, if you're interested in Middle Earth, like me, like Free, <laughs> then this is definitely one to go and check out. Um, a little bit different from your sort of your normal fantasy-based role-playing games, but that is a good thing. Do you know? Do you know? You made my heart so warm talking about little adventures going off as a hobbit. That's what you do as a <laughs> hobbit. You, you don't. You, do, you don't. Uh, I mean, if there was an adventure where you'd sit in the, uh, the Green Dragon, go and talk to some other hobbit folk. Cross the river, get in trouble. It's just, it just sounds so, That's so. Being a hobbit, yeah. Oh, it sounds great. And yeah. the map, the map got me specifically. The map is beautiful. I'm, I'm a sucker for maps anyway, but mm. map, 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 there you go. Yeah. So keep your eye out then. Uh, you can 
pre-order it now. Uh, hopefully get it just in the new year. And if you want to see just how good the quality of Free League starter sets are, don't forget to comment below and you could win that copy of Twilight 2000, uh, which isn't so much a starter set as a, oh my God, this is everything you'll ever need ever. Is this an RPG or There are game? hex counters and everything. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's a behemoth. Uh, but moving away from Middle Earth and off to the dusty desert of Arrakis. Mm. Also known as Down. <laughs> Down, yeah. Down seems to be all oh, everybody's talking about at the minute. Yeah, I'm aware that I say don't like Dome. So if there's anyone out there that says it this way as well, please let me know. So I'm not bullied by the general public anymore. Um so <laughs> there is an expansion coming um to Gale Force Nine's Dune uh, board game title. So you're adding Chome, I want to say Chome, mm. um, and Richie's house to the fray in February next year. So this is the second expansion for Doom. It came with conquest diplomacy and betrayal and now two factions are going to be creating more diversity and adding more diverse game mechanics really so the upcoming expansion lets players take control of chome and they mm -hmm. are the biggest great economic power uh, within the universe or house richies which are kind of similar to the ixians but they're very very tech savvy so they're progressed in their technological innovations so if you have got the core box and the first expansion and plan on getting your hands on this one that means a total of 10 factions that are available in the game now and that's 210 different combinations in a six player game so it is diverse so you may want to jump on some of the newest stuff that's come out next to the film but i can say to you that this one is great and it's still growing um, so you're going to get loads of tactics to consider and politics to balance on the table. So in this new expansion box, you're going to get a rule book, two player faction shields, two player sheets, 49 cards, 59 tokens. But if you haven't dipped in your toe into the universe yet, you can actually get a digital copy of the rule book on Gaffle Snow for free as well. So there is a lot going on in the universe at the minute. And it's quite interesting to see more factions join in to change up the game once again. Yeah, it'll be a big one um, if people are, obviously, Dune has a massive, massive, massive following, uh, including Bill Bailey. Dune. Dune. Um, <laughs> that original game is stunning. It's a slog. Uh, it's, it's an it's event like, game, it's, as I like it's to call it. It's like Twilight it, yeah. Imperium. You know, <laughs> you set this up, and then that's your weekend. Kind yeah. Of thing. But when they were re-releasing it, and I'm not talking about the new one with all the actors slapped all over us but the 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 gear force nine june game they released uh two years ago maybe a year and a half anyway it contains the original rules for that massive event style game but it also contains a cut down version to take into account people are lazier these days i'm not going to say they've got more going on you've exactly the same amount going on that you had back then it's just you're lazier and less focused and want to go watch netflix <laughs> so there's a cut down version and to do that they got the original um games designers did it they went in it, it wasn't somebody coming in with editorial blinkers on and went chop 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 the game designers went back and went, here's how we would speed it up for modern play. So you've got in that game two similar styles of game, but one that's very in-depth and then the one that's got a... I'm not, I don't even want to say a lighter touch because it's still a very complex and in-depth game. Yeah. But you can get through it in less than, you know, 12 hours. Mm -hmm. um, adding in additional factions, uh, members of the Landsrad, is always good fun. Um, so, yeah. Although, why would you not be House Harkonnen? 
everybody wants to be the fluke and fat man. I spend your time <laughs> pretending to be uh, Sting. <laughs> All I see is the trainees I want to kill. I will point out that the June TV series, the short-lived June TV series, the James McAvoy one, is yep, James McAvoy one is up on Prime, I think, still at the moment. Mm. So if you're interested in watching something very weird, it was actually really good. As well. It was, but weird. <laughs> Strangely enough, but yeah, so it's, it's nice to see. It's nice to see they're expanding, and then obviously they've got the movie tie-in version, um, which is. I, I don't think it contains the big, overarching, huge original core game. I think it is just the more modern, uh, yes. sort of stripped down version of the rule set. So, you've, if you want to, if you want to have your uh, Jason Momoas and and your Timothy Charlemians or whatever they're called, uh, then you can get that right, one. Get I? Well done. Timothy Momoa and Jason Charlemagne. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's me done my work here is done I've managed to get two modern actors out alright I'm not just focused on Sting <laughs> I will kill him anyway um, so wrapping things up for the news this week Ben so yes uh, Warhammer's been quite big this week apparently mainly it's because of Henry Cavill but we'll come to that in a minute uh, although he is intrinsically linked with everything we're talking about here uh, so the Shadow Throne boxed set is going to be available for pre-order this weekend so if you're interested in picking that up you'll be able to get it over on store.tabletop.com uh, this contains the two um, I'd say fairly elite forces uh, you've got the Adeptus Custodes and the Gene Steeler Cults here for using one forty thousand. 40,000 mm-hmm. on the one side you've got the Adeptus Custodes there who are the best of the best when it comes to the humanities warriors alongside some of the sisters of silence there it can be sort of assembled in three different ways um they the reason this the force is so small is because they are all effectively miniature units in their own right uh this is the sort of uh, the big new miniature that's available for this uh box set as well which is the blade champion i'd say it's nigh on impossible to kill him um he is an absolute murder machine as you'd imagine a transhuman warrior would be <laughs> in the 41st millennium um but yeah pretty cool stuff if you're looking at the adeptico studies at the moment maybe maybe i am uh there's also on the other side of things you've got the gene stealer cults and um here you've got a new model for the uh with which is laden down with explosives called the reductor saboteur as you can see there she can set up mines and explosives all over the table and blow things to holy hell and since you're on terror you want to cause as much uh, damage as possible i would imagine mm-hmm. to bring forth the patriarch and all the lovely tyrannids in the skies <laughs> that's a song from the 70s right tyrannids in the skies or so, i don't know <laughs> uh, you've also got uh, a bunch of additional models that obviously as you've seen there feature the different sets as i said these are fairly like I don't want to, uh, maybe elite's not the right word. I like to call them finesse forces. I think is the way that a lot of people used to, ter- used to term these. There's a lot of planning that has to go into making these work on the tabletop. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, the genes did a cult, as you might imagine, they're made up of a lot of people who have been slightly mutated, but in essence are normal people. Uh, and so don't really hold up well to sustained bolt of fire or shuriken catapults. Uh, and so you've got to really think about how you deploy them on the tabletop, where you pop up and then disappear through terrain and that kind of thing. And obviously with the Reductor Saboteur, you're trying to plant bombs and stuff and blow up buildings and things, because the only way to stop a Blade Champion is to probably drop a building on him. And even then that might not stop him. Um, when it comes to the sort of Adeptus Custodius side of things, they've got this new stuff with kind of like the way that they uh, they decide how they will approach every single sequence of the battle. Mm-hmm. So you'll start off with a certain amount of tenants and you'll sort of go through stage one of that and that will lead into the next one and the next one and the next one. So you might start off 
following one that gets you very quickly up the table and then switch over into one that allows you to be very good in melee or something. Uh, and each of that's then tied the different um, forces within the Adeptus Custodians as well that each have their own themes and stuff as well. So there's some interesting stuff there for people who want to try a slightly more in-depth force, I think, for both the Adeptus Custodians and the Dean's Dealer Cults. But then again, everything in Games Workshop at the moment when it comes to these different factions has been notched, notched up, I would say. There's a lot more options in there for people to try and get their heads around especially when it comes to things like stratagems and all that kind of stuff as well, which for someone who started with like, I don't know, the third edition of the game is still a lot because I always still think one HQ and two troops. That's how everything is done. <laughs> that's, that's how you start. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, as I say, this should be available for pre-order this weekend. So make sure to go and check it out if you want to. Mm. And as I said, this does link us in nicely into Henry Cavill, who is our own living Adeptus Custodian, as oh. I would imagine. Yes. Uh, it, it will not have escaped anyone's attention that he was on Graham Norton over the uh, over last weekend where he was talking about his nerdy hobbies, mm. um, as you can see here. And a lot of people were very annoyed at Graham because he seemed like he was taking the piss. I will say Graham, Graham takes the piss out of everybody, but I can understand why people were annoyed at this because this is the kind of thing that I'm sure everybody has faced at one time or another when they were a child, a teenager, or an adult, when someone says, you paint dolls, as one of my friends has said, and I went, no, they're not dolls. <laughs> they're toys. They're not toys either, but okay. It's Warhammer, Graham, as, 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 as Henry Kimmer would say. But this is the, the thing that I, that I took out of this is that this is just only a good thing. Hmm. Like, if you've got someone like Henry Cavill, who, you know, is the person he is and looks the way he does and acts the way he does, if he is, so, he is someone who dives into Warhammer and plays that, hopefully this will get a lot more people playing the game and diving into tabletop gaming in general, I think. And, uh, it's so. the same way whenever he was um, being interviewed for Superman. Uh, oh yeah when, when he was going to play superman then ended up playing that murderer instead uh <laughs> and he spent a lot of time telling people that he almost missed the audition for murder man because he was playing warcraft <laughs> so that started an awful lot of people going on not about uh warcraft for a long time so yeah uh, it's interesting that's gone into the public eye more mm, very much so the thing that's really interesting for me is that like i know he like clearly loves the hobby and he obviously enjoys it and stuff but I can't help thinking that he's shopping something around and he's talking to people behind closed doors because there's, there's, he did this for The Witcher. He talked about it a lot and he was like, hey, I really like Geralt and all that kind of thing. And then lo and behold, he gets to play Geralt in the Netflix show. I keep thinking that he's like, hey, I really like all this. Oh, look, a surreptitiously placed Eisenhorn novel. Oh, look, I'm talking about myself being the emperor. He's clearly angling for something. Oh, I, yeah. Uh, exactly here you go so <laughs> maybe he's just doing it so that he gets he gets a free uh go around forge world at warhammer world so that he can pick up all his stuff and and, and you spend his his winnings he, on, uh, yeah. he just wants a plastic thunderhawk yeah. <laughs> that's all he wants yeah uh, and if it requires him to go on graham norton and be insulted then so exactly be yep. yeah yep. i will say the, the cool thing about this is when he did this when he put this up on instagram obviously he didn't put the, with the text on it but he <laughs> named himself as i think it was is it Neroth, which is the name that the emperor gave himself? So he clearly has done like a little bit of research into the background of all this. Um, but yeah, I was thinking, I was thinking, man, uh, he looks a lot like a young Eisenhorn to me. Give him a nice, you know, shave his head, hair, yeah. or shave his head to make him old. Do we know much about? Do we know much about the Eisenhorn series yet? Absolutely nothing. I know that it was going to be on a different mm. platform. I think it was going to be Prime or Netflix. I think, and then 
Obviously, Warhammer Plus came around, so it's not going to be on Warhammer Plus. So it'll be going back to Warhammer Plus. Yeah, it's going to be on Prime. <laughs> they, they want more than four people to see it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was. I was also uh, me and my friend were having a conversation about this. Uh, uh, you know, however, he might be involved in something in the future. I think the Horus Heresy stuff would be amazing to see realized in some form, but. Uh, it definitely not the thing you'd start with. I think no, no. You, you <laughs> start with you start with Draco Inquisitor. The, the yeah, Ian exactly Watson inquisitorial stuff and all that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, and you do that to give a flavour of the world, and then you come into something like the Horus Heresy later on down the line. But imagine that a massive, huge, you know, either film series or TV series set around Horus Heresy, telling the story of the fall and the Imperium and everything. That'd be amazing. The problem I, I is every one of them would have to be a hit. Yes. Every single one of them would have to do yeah. good. And you go TV series. You, you go Game yeah. of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, Ar- Arcane taught us a lot about a, a TV series exactly. that worked really well with a, a really yeah. unique art style. However, mm-hmm. it did take them six years to put together. That is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. But <laughs> if you want to do something like the Horus Heresy, you're pretty much devoting a season to a... Um, what you call them? I want to say Exarch, but that's Eldar. What you call oh, them? Um, oh, Primark. Primark. You're, yeah, you're devoting a season to a Primark, even if you're just mm-hmm. going to cover the main ones, and then you finish off with, you know, Ruffle Stomping. The Siege of Terror. Uh, the Siege of Terror, yeah. yeah. By that stage, everybody knows who people are and what's happening, and, and you know, yeah. you built up, and then you can make it a crushing disappointment, just like Game of Thrones. <laughs> I'm also going to say, because every single YouTuber and Instagrammer and everybody who's ever on social media has done this as well, Henry, if you're watching, you can come and talk to us. I mean, we'd love you to have you. Everyone else has been doing the same thing and asking you to play games and things. We just want to have a chat with you. That would be cool. You know, I, come and have a I, chat I, with us. Yeah. I'm, going to, I'm going to put a bet out, right? The okay. answer to that one if, is no. If, <laughs> if, 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 he does, if he does make contact with anybody in our industry, I'm going to put £100. Warhammer TV? No, that it'll be mini wargaming. Right. Hundred points says mini war gaming first. I, I, I would say he would do Warhammer TV. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's possibly the only way to get people to subscribe. <laughs> I just want to know one thing. I want to know that time when you murdered Zod, uh, and then you fell down your knees screaming. Was that a little uh, callback to the original proper Superman, where they had that kneel before Zod line? Uh, and you know, See, this is why he, this is why Zod. he's not going to come to us because it's not going to be about wargaming if we're talking to him. It's going to be about everything else. <laughs> I would also say it was very nice of Tom Holland to say in that interview as well. He was like, "Oh, can I have a game?" Because you know what? Now everyone's calling out for this Tom Holland versus Henry Cavill in a, in a Warhammer on, game at Warhammer World. That'd be cool. Yeah. I want to see. I want to see his miniatures. I just want to see his painting stuff. I know he's a very private man, but he I want to see what that. he's been doing. Yeah. He has had a couple on his Instagram. He's a, yeah. I think I've seen some Space Marines of his somewhere. Yeah, he did like it a Custodius thing. Yeah, Custodius. Yeah. So. Spray, spray gold, chestnut wash, move on. <laughs> Busy man. But it's, it's groundbreaking if Henry Cavill does it, you know, apparently. Exactly. It's, it's never a bad thing to have more people talking about this. Absolutely. There's even, even people talking about it on BBC Kent this week. Wow. So, you know, everyone's everyone's <laughs> getting all into Warhammer. Nobody's talking about it in BBC Northern Ireland that I can tell you that much. <laughs> They're all too busy going, we should be murdering more animals with dogs. That's what BBC Northern Ireland's all about at the moment. Yeah. And on that note, <laughs> that's enough of the news. We're going to take a quick switch and come back with some 3D printing. 
All right, folks, we are back and going to be taking a look at some 3D printing. And Ben, you've dived into some unusual realms to find this one, haven't you? I have. I have, in fact, stepped, in, stepped into the void realm. Dun, dun, void dun. realm it is. So I'm just going to read you the description mm. of this because it's pretty cool. You, you do it while I just pick so, out random things. Monthly cosmic horrors and a welcome pack of classic beasts, if you sign up, which is pretty cool, over on Patreon, which we'll look at in a second. Founded by a former Cirque du Soleil acrobat, the Void Realms line of miniatures unlike any other, blended cosmic horror with original surreal monsters that would make Lovecraft himself shudder. Titanic horrors, bizarre creatures, cosmic guardians, and more await you in the void. And I think that's a pretty good opener to this. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. So, but yes, as you might have imagined from that description, these are a selection of different miniatures that have been themed around the idea of Lovecraftian horrors and other things from the other end of the universe and everything in between. Uh, and I, I, I basically, I, I think the overriding word for this stuff is gribbly. I think gribbly kind of works for all of this. Yep. Uh, there's not a single one of these that isn't some kind of strange, weird, warped beast that you couldn't describe as gribbly. And, and I think they are utterly fascinating. Oh, yeah. Apparently, this, these, this has been around for quite a while and then passed me by. So. I, I am 100% on board with this. We all know how much I love Call of Cthulhu. I can't get enough of the cock. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And it, these are just because th- sometimes you'll see Lovecraft inspired. Um, but when you start delving into these, you can see that they are actually based on, so it's not just inspired by strange cosmic horror, but you have things like Shathuga there and, uh, Natharlahotep is further down the page because everybody loves the black Pharaoh. Um, so it's, you know, it's nice to see somebody actually going, here is what I've created based on the descriptions, which in some cases is, you know, a smell. Uh, a noise in the darkness and uh, the word squamous and then you're left to go okay uh, so this should look like this you know yeah. uh, how does the mother of a thousand young actually look uh, in this case you know terrifying is generally the answer comes out and I mean that if you're looking for cosmic horror that's a good way to go uh, I don't want any uh, Euclidean geometry to inflict itself on my gaming at all. Uh, I just want this. And then your neighbours get taken to the moon by cats. I mean, it's all perfectly sensible. <laughs> the thing that I quite like about this range is that it kind of it, it engenders you to do something wild and wacky with them once you've printed them. Yeah. Like, you, you pick up these and you attack them with every fluorescent and weird Yeah amazing color that you can find in your collection and that that suddenly makes sense i actually quite like the way that they presented them in the almost the, the sort of bare Ethereal. red look that kind of yeah that kind of almost shifting blues and purples and, and, and whites and things i think that's really cool and it could actually work very nicely especially if you did something akin to what you've got there where you've got the glow in the eyes and things i think that would be brilliant to see see the replicated uh, on the tabletop and thing. if you're not good at painting it's very easy to do. If you've an airbrush, you can hit it with uh, the blue purple color shift paint and then just airbrush white into the eyeballs or tentacles or whatever else you think ah. should be glowing. Um, and if you don't have an airbrush, you fetch yourself your biggest dry brush and attack it with a dry brush and a wash and away is, you go. It's awesome. <laughs> 
These would look really cool with the the sort of Blanche kind of style to them. Yes, as well. Sort of, yeah. I'd love to see someone do that. That'd be really cool. So would I. I wish I had talent. I love hearing different perspectives from reading, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, for example, the way that Gollum looked after I read it had no in my head what Gollum looked like in the books, whereas I've read a fair bit of Lovecraft and I'm looking at these and I'm like, well, that's an interesting take. (laughs) Yeah. But gorgeous. It's one of those things that are disgustingly beautiful. I mean, body horror is always awesome. There's as, so as much. As anybody who watches Carter or any of um, John Carter's films. There's so much going on. I think, like, obviously, you've got some sort of out, like, it'd be nice to pick these up and just paint them, obviously. Yeah. That would be a nice way, especially if you're a lover of Carker's, mm. <laughs> as Jerry is. Uh, but. Um, I have uh, thinking about them in terms of like a game sense. I think these would be fascinating to work into something uh, like Stargrave, for example. If you wanted to play that, but do it more as a horror themed experience. So instead of, you know, a lot of the stuff being like an alien hound or a space pirate, use these in place of things and just use those templates and those stats as a a mask over the top in order to involve these within your experiences. You'd have something a little bit more akin to something like a dead space maybe at that point, sort of playing around with that and the body horror thing. But I think that would be brilliant, especially if you picked up some... Quarantine 37 with it. Yeah, so exactly that would be perfect for it as well. Yeah. but yeah, there are some very weird and wonderful ones in these, and, and they, they, as I say, have been going for quite a while now as well. So there is no um, like shortage of weird things for you to print. I, I guess the other thing about this stuff that would be quite nice is that if, if the print failed in some way, I don't I think you'd know. No. <laughs> I mean, that, that right there, I've seen so many hounds of Tindalos from so many companies, um, yeah. and they generally just go for a dog. Um, yeah. The Acton Cthulhu ones from Modifius are dogs that are coming out of like portals out of walls and stuff. And, and they're all noticeably, they look like Alsatians or that sort of thing. Whereas this, you could understand somebody in the 1920s or whatever seeing this and trying to describe it through the veil of madness and going, it was a dog, it was a hound, it was a massive hound that came for me because, you know, it has four legs and a tail, but that's where the resemblance to a dog actually ends. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, is just a thing of beauty. Look at that. Gorgeous. Coming at you like Cleopatra. Jerry buying some 3D printing phones. Yeah, <laughs> it, would require, it would require somebody to make them for real before yeah. I dove on board. But, you know, having these, using those for um, Kings of War and Night Stalkers would be particularly good. Because I could use those as just say, if, you, if you scroll down the page a little bit, there's like a, a, an area of red. Right. That After starts the blue with comes the red. Yeah. Uh, I can't and go there, past Nathala Hotep, sorry. Okay, that's fine. I, I, I totally agree. There's the Black Pharaoh <laughs> slugs as well. <laughs> oh, never go to Cairo. Stay out of Cairo. Hello, <laughs> the voice. Amazing. His face that's... reminds me of a, like a, a special effect from an '80s film, which is cool. Mm. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I something where um carpenters doing like a, a weird thing in a church somewhere you can see that coming at you strange oh, pharaoh yeah stare at the black pyramid it does not go well there anyway red i'm looking for yeah so there you go so it starts with 
Thormarek. But I really liked the snail woman and the twisted piles. I just <laughs> like the snail woman <laughs> is set of horrific. Oh but wow! Like, oh yeah, like that is just nightmares haunting. Yeah, that's like something that Del Toro would come up with and shove into one of his films or something. Hans, fetch the flammenwerfer. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, but, that's just gorgeous. Like, I, I like the idea that if you tied sort of maybe tied this to something almost like demonish as well, hmm. and you could have like that snail woman, maybe she was like a slothful person, hmm. and so she got twisted and warped into that creature by you know her own her sins or something like that. Really cool. And these just twisted piles, imagine those as things on the board as either terrain oh, features or. Yeah. Or like objective markers, so your characters have to like pass then like a morale test or something to dig through the pile to find what they need or something. Like that would be really cool. That right, using these for um, oh, what's the demon game? Rain in hell. Rain in hell. Rain. Using these oh, as yes. actual terrain for rain in hell. Yes. You know your walls and line of sight blocking obstacle terrain aren't just bits of rock. Because mm-hmm. where would be the fun in that when you could have this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that's an unusual take on stalagmites and stalactites. Definitely. Yeah. You could put them at the bottom of a pit, you know, just anything looking down and you've got a pit of salt fire or a pile of disgusting bodies together. Mm. Like to pull you, down. <laughs> you know what? At no point should whoever this uh, sculptor is ever meet Boris. <laughs> for the world is not ready for a collaboration between them. Exactly. Yeah. Nice. He'll be a sage detail on that as well. Oh yeah, yeah. the base, the base edging is cool. Yeah, I didn't realize that actually. That's neat. Ooh. I've, I've nothing else to say on it though. It's just it's so far out of <laughs> everything I know. So prehensile so tugs are tight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> quick, quick. Oh, now there's an interesting, I'm going to say, centaur-like biped type thing. Yeah. Kind of fawn. Fawny, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's gorgeous. I, I love that. I, I love that it is like alien, but then could also be fantasy, but then yeah. could also be something else like horror. It's like it's a yeah. It's an unusual melding. As, yeah. And weirdly, whenever you were starting to talk, and I'm, I immediately defaulted to fantasy, and you were going, "Oh no, science fiction is based." You're going, well, either, either works, and works very, very well. I it, keep seeing those runes as well. They'll definitely fit into a sci-fi. I think it's probably because they spend so much time contorted. Oh. Maybe, maybe they don't view the physical form as structurally rigid as I do. <laughs> When you spend a lot of time with your head stuck between your own legs, crawling around on the floors <laughs> or swinging off something, at that point you're just going, you know what? You'd be surprised what way you can contort. And, maybe maybe yeah. this is what they seen while the blood was rushing to and from their head. <laughs> yep. I definitely see that. It's just, it's just so interesting to look at. The more you look, the more you see. And that's what's nice. I would love to see more of these painted up. What's this? Oh, I can spin things around. Ooh. <gasps> fancy, I, can, fancy. I, can't, I can't make it bigger, though. Oh, it supports. Oh. <laughs> Scaffold. Mm-hmm. So Patreon as well? Yep, so there's a Patreon as well, which is uh, up at the, uh, the same time. So 
works similar to um, every every Patreon and stuff that we talk about in this segment. So you can pledge early to get your hands on some miniatures uh, for the different months of the year. Uh, so you've got obviously the Dark Mother set that's going to be available mm. for December this month, which is pretty cool. Uh, but then everything will then eventually slide on over to my mini factory. So if you want to pick those up, you can do. Um, but yeah, some oh there you go. There's some more painted stuff. That's amazing. Or Dark Young, <laughs> yeah, for the mother. <laughs> I think yeah. my favourite thing about these is until you. They don't look like they're growling. They don't necessarily look menacing until you look at all the details put together and go, my God, that is petrifying. Mm. Because they're not necessarily threatening. There's no snarl. There's no growl. It's just the pieces put together is genuinely petrifying. I I imagine that they make a weird sucking sound. Yeah. (laughs) What you do is you get these, you go and get the colour out of space with Nicolas Cage starring... You hammer back some peyote, and then you go to good work with a, a, a brush. Good film. Yeah. I enjoyed but that very much. It's an amazing film, and yeah. you know, perfectly Lovecraftian and totally bonkers, as you imagine <laughs> anything with Nicholas. In fact, just watch anything <laughs> Nicholas Cage has been in, except Captain Morelli's Mandolin, uh, which you know doesn't have the same madness in it. Still, although it did win the Oscar, I think. But yeah, stunning stuff mm-hmm. from. Void Realm minis, mm-hmm. well worth checking out, mm-hmm. especially if you're into your cosmic horror. Did you win one of our prizes? Find out on our prize claim center over at ontabletop.com. Here we list all our previous prizes and those who have won. If you see your username, fill out the form to claim your prize. All prizes must be claimed within 30 days. But to wrap up the show, it's time to delve into some Kickstarters. <laughs> And we're going to move away from the disgustingly delightful cosmic horror and instead take a look at the delightfully whimsical Vason uh, from Free League, who are back on Kickstarter with a couple of supplemental books. Uh, so if you're unaware, it's terrible. Shame on you. Just shame. Shame on you. Uh, it is... Almost a Lovecraftian game, funnily enough, which is why I own it. Um, <laughs> it it's, it's investigators solving supernatural-based mysteries in uh, Scandinavia in the 18th slash 19th century. Um, so it has a very Sherlockian, Cthulhu-esque, Scooby-Doo nature to it. Uh, the new books are bridging the gap between Scandinavia and the Isles of Avalon. So. Uh, there are two books coming, and the first is Mythic Britain and Ireland, uh, where you get all the weird and wacky stuff from our folklore. Uh, so the nice thing about the original Vesson was it it told tales of Scandinavian folklore that I was completely unaware of. Um, now we get to see things like Banshee and the uh, Pukas and, and bits and pieces like that, um, that obviously feature a lot uh, in the mythic tales of Ireland and, and England and uh, Wales and Scotland. Uh, so depending on how well this goes, there may be more things stuffed in there. And uh, Johan Egerkrantz is doing the gorgeous, gorgeous illustrations once again. Um, so if anybody's ever watched things like Hellboy 2 uh, and they got to that bit in Northern Ireland, I thought, you know what, that'd be an amazing game if it was just that limbless <laughs> Northern Ireland hobgoblin the whole time pushing us up the uh, I know Lloyd certainly has. Then you could do that with this game. Uh, the other book is Seasons of Mystery, which is uh, some more 
scenarios and adventures in Scandinavia. Mm. Um, but this is being put together by both Johan's artistic sort of temperament, uh, but also have writers on board like Graham Davis, um, who has done some amazing work in the past uh, for Warfrip <laughs> and a whole host of games. And they have been knocking down stretch goals like you would not believe, uh, so much so that they actually blew through all the stretch goals that they'd worked out for the first few days uh, within a couple <laughs> of hours. And then the yeah. guys recording gets very late here in Stockholm. We're going to bed. We'll do stretch goals in the morning. <laughs> I love. I absolutely love that banshee. Oh, it's uh, gorgeous. Amazing. It's, it's very different. And just the little bat wings fluttering away on us. Um, no word yet as to whether or not we'll get reverse art books on these because Wesson itself came from art books given form, essentially. Somebody's seen the art and went, this would make an amazing game. Um, mm-hmm. Don't know if, if this will reverse, but if you are after a ton of awesome artwork, then yeah. picking up these books is a great way to go. The initial PDF, the alpha PDF, if you will, is actually going to be supplied before Christmas after the uh, campaign ends uh, because it's already well-funded. So you'll be able to start tinkering around with it over the Christmas break if you're off, um, which I think is fantastic. And if you haven't backed anything before uh, from Free League, pretty much everything they've done, including I think the One Ring is in the add-on section because uh, whenever I hit the I want this I want this now give it to me now I was going do you want any of these and I own all of these please move on please move me on to get uh, to get to the take my money part the thing that's the thing that's really nice about this for me is that I I love the concept of Vesson and, and mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed reading through that book and, and learning a little bit more about it with the, the folks at Free League and things as mm-hmm. we talked to them at conventions and stuff but mm-hmm. the thing that's really cool about what they've done with the Mythic Britain and Island one is that like our isles are steeped in folklore. I mean, everywhere it is, hmm. but like even around my local area here in the Midlands, there are so many folk tales that are not necessarily like ancient ones, mm-hmm. but from like the fifties or the sixties mm-hmm. and they're weird, strange tales that could be adapted and changed into something that you could tell back in this period of history and have fun with. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's an, there's an entire, wood near me called gibbets wood where as you might imagine people were hanged now imagine what you could do with that and the strange creatures and the magic creatures that would grown up around that if it was back during this period of history and that kind of thing and playing around with that or like there's the whole thing of like there was a woman who was like put into a tree (laughs) put Bella in the witch hole and that kind of thing so play around with that theme and like why did the creatures do this and stuff and one of the things that's really nice about Vase as a role-playing game as a whole, and I'm sure Jerry attested this as well, is that it's not just about fighting a big bad at the end. It very much approaches things um, a little bit for, uh, as like a, a key zone to go from. Like, you know how like Geralt normally approaches monsters in something like The Witcher? Sometimes he knows he has to deal with something, but the monster didn't necessarily do anything wrong. Mm. And so sometimes he works out a way for the monster to just move on. And I like that element of this as well. So it's an investigation, but it's also something where you have to come up with a a solution that necessarily what sort of balances the scales between the two sides. Yeah. Because you know you are these people that can see all these strange creatures and stuff within the world. If you start messing around with them, well, they're going to get as angry with you as they were with the villagers down the road who maybe built over their old fairy stones or something and things. So, so well, yeah. that's one of the things because it's nature is being encroached upon by the expansion of of humans um and it's sort of they're pushed to the fringe and pushed to the fringe further and further 
uh, until they, eventually they can't go anywhere else or have to push back. Uh, so it's interesting because it is very much we've come into their house and kicked over all their stuff uh, and now they're getting angry about it and then the local villagers go, oh, well, you know, that needs to be murdered up. You know, does it really though? Did you have to go in there and do that? No, you know, not so much. Um, so it's it's an interesting concept. Like you say, it's it's got that sort of Witcher or uh, I will say Scooby-Doo, Supernatural or Buffy <laughs> as well, yeah. uh, where you are investigating, something's happening. The investigation is almost as key as the conclusion of the investigation because you need to work out what it is and how to deal with it, um, uh, whatever way that happens to be, whether it's you know banishing it, returning it. I would say don't annoy fairies in Ireland. It no. Will go, it will go well for you <laughs> in the long run. But uh, fascinating to see what else goes in there. They are stuffing more uh, adventures and creatures in. There's a bit of backwards compatibility as well where uh, Graham is going to be working to... I think rejig stuff so the the scenarios that are set for Ireland can then be played in the main game if you are aiming it just at Scandiweja anyway. Um, so there will be some sort of crossover between river dwelling fairies and fae creatures in Scandinavia and in, in mm. Scotland or whatever it happens to be. And uh, so there'll be a bit of that going on. Um, it's just been announced. Actually, it came into my inbox while we were filming uh, <laughs> that there will be a live stream on Wednesday night with Graham. Uh, about it so if you are interested in finding out more uh if you go to free leagues youtube channel uh there will be that q a with graham uh i'll be just sitting there in the chat from now till wednesday uh, so say hello to me <laughs> um but that that should be fascinating as well because it's really interesting to see where they go how they're approaching it and what sort of direction they're taking um to expand it the the fact that Obviously, Free League being based in Stockholm will be very aware of their own mythology around them. We have a very distinct mythology here in, in Ireland, uh, as do other parts of the British Isles. But then the fact that they've already moved out, going, okay, well, you've got Scandinavia, now you've got, got uh, the British Isles, but they could potentially then push into other areas of Europe. And that run from the Baltic states or sort of Estonia direction onwards. There's a lot of weird stuff there. Uh, things like when Mantic threw in the uh, Arales, the, the flying dogs, and everybody went, that's stupid. Uh, why have you made those up? Why not just go with a winged horse? You know, why is the winged horse less stupid than a winged dog? Because <laughs> well, yeah. it's, it's from mythology. <laughs> winged dogs are from mythology as well. I think it's yeah. like Latvia direction. They have their own, the, there's the Slavic mythology as well. So. <laughs> They can now start to expand the world that exists, and then likewise the actual role of the the hunters within Vesson um, can also expand. So you're not just a group of people in Uppsala. Uh, you can be you know a chapter of that Watcher society somewhere in the world. You could be set in Rome. You could be set in you know parts of the Iberian Peninsula, and all of those sort of things. Uh, would be fascinating to explore because you tend to, you know, the Romans, you know, the Greeks, because they slap their stuff everywhere. You might know your own mythology or you might not from your, your country, but there's a lot out there that we probably just miss out all the time because it just doesn't really get talked about folk tales. <laughs> you have to go and look for them. Yes. Uh, and if you're not looking, then you're not going to see them. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. Oh, I've already backed it. Let's face it. I'm getting it. <laughs> it's coming to me. It's only a matter of time. It's coming to me or I go to Stockholm and I find them. 
<laughs> it happens to me, I go to them. Says there's no two ways around it. But there's 12 days left on the uh, Mythic Britain and Ireland from Vesson. And uh, yeah, superbly well funded. So jump in there if you haven't already. And I don't know if you're getting a, a discounted price for the other things, but if you have looked at the One Ring, for example, and thought, ooh, that'd be nice, uh, you can grab it in there as well. Mm-hmm. So a one stop shop for all things free, leaguey. <laughs> Apart from that, we're going to go hell for leather in the mm. other direction, away from the whimsical <laughs> and the delightful into the nattery. Yeah. So 2K Games and Monster Fight Club, they're teaming up. So teamed up, they're up on Kickstarter, and it's a very popular IP coming to the tabletop. So you must know Borderlands, right? And you're happy to know there is a miniature-centric board game up on Kickstarter um, for uh, Borderlands players. And players get to cooperate, cooperate in Mr. Talk's arena of badassery. So you're going to need to work together, like you would do in Borderlands, the series, as it were. Chaos, chaos, and I mean instilled chaos in an arena where you take on abominations and bandits which belong within the universe. So it's no walk in a toxic waste barrel park. You're going to need to play by the rules of talk in the gladiator arena so it just sounds like absolute mess and absolute chaos so there's plenty of characters that you know to choose from as you do go into the arena so you've got mordecai bloodwin amara salvador is quite a lot but moving across the board is exactly easy so you're going to need to make your way across hex tiles to take down some enemies and of course what do you do in borderlands loot as much as you possibly can <laughs> loot loot and more loot so you've got to be careful where you're stepping as well because you will get overrun by enemies um there's a scenario guide to go with it as well it's going to set out what you have to do um in each part of the campaign but if you did want to tackle this as an overarching campaign and continue as you go you can it's completely up to you but if you do just want a quick hack and slash inside an arena you can talk to talk because he does. Um, once the round is over, uh, players get to upgrade their weapons and health up by a handy dandy vending machine, which is pretty cool. So that's right at the end of the, the round. So the progress is all done by card. So you can level up your characters and the abilities the more you progress through the game. So it's already nearly a million. So I know it's hit a million dollars. So it's already nearly a million, million yeah. Uh, yeah, in pounds. Um, it's It's got quite, I think it's got 13 days left on the clock. So it's definitely going to happen by the end of the campaign, I'd say. But you've got until December 13th uh, to call yourself a copy. Um, and it's looking to hit retail around about November next year. Mm. One to four players as well. So you have a solo mode that you can uh, Very play around with, which is interesting. Mm-hmm be interested to know how you'd uh because it looks really chaotic with the four of you going out and i found it really interesting that really, there's a lot of miniatures going into this game as well there is a 45 i think there is mm-hmm. um i personally i love miniatures i do don't get me wrong but it would be nice to have a standing alternative i would like that because i'm running out of space um, <laughs> <laughs> we're and i think this is possibly a sign of the times where everybody always has to use miniatures all the time. And I see I see people looking at games and the games look fantastic. And then somebody in the comments will be going, you're only getting 12 miniatures in that. I seen such and such do one where you get 150 miniatures. You know, it's about the game. Yeah. And when Borderlands, and this may shock and surprise people, I've seen Borderlands being played, not 
well, I'm playing it myself, but I've seen somebody playing it. Oh, um, game. What? And it, it has <laughs> such a distinct art style. Yeah. With that harsh ink lining, that yeah. that comic book shading. A standee in full color with that on it, I think in many respects would be better than a miniature. Yeah. But if it's not 3D these days, people don't care. Don't worry about <laughs> the game itself. It's all about the miniature, apparently. What, what's kind of, wacky. Sorry, go on, John. It, it's kind of like um, the amount of miniatures you have in your in your Kickstarter or in your game kind of represents the rating that you're going to get off people, which is, <laughs> which, which is as you, you've all said, and I agree, I, it is totally wrong. So There's still a ton of stretch goals as well, though, to be unlocked. So we're probably going to see more miniatures, more characters, um, and more people going. What's quite I was looking through this, and one of the neat things about it is it looks like it uh, borrows from uh, the mechanics that my uh, that um say my mini factory so the monster fight club used as part of their cyberpunk game yeah that's mm-hmm. the one because it uses the similar system in terms of the way the dice work so obviously you've got a certain amount of, you've got the different colored dice referring to the different sides you use those and as you get hurt you swatch switch those dice out for lower ones and things as well so it's got a pedigree based in the mechanics that they used for the cyberpunk game which is mm-hmm. meant to be pretty good from all accounts so at least on that front, it seems pretty cool. Um, but interesting to see how it holds up and sort of a different player counts as well. Yeah. Because obviously you're saying it's got like sort of like the cooperative element to it. I think that means that it should work from like two, well, and one obviously, mm-hmm. but two all the way up into four. So that would be pretty cool. Um, I guess if you're someone who really, really loves Borderlands as well, you're going to get everything you could need or ever want to paint for it, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. Which is the, the silver lining, I, I guess, to having crates and crates of miniatures delivered to your house. Um, but yeah, looks pretty cool. So yeah. I'm just going to throw this up here and have a new Also, I'm just going to put up, so just say, a 23-minute ex- exploration of a Kickstarter game is pretty good. That Normally is. they're like an hour. <laughs> so well done. To, <laughs> but well I done have, to this fellow for doing that. So I have had a moan before that with big IPs, that quite often people just seem to translate over onto the tabletop. This just seems like a nice, like we've said before, a nice add-on to the Borderlands universe um, mm. with a new game, like a mini game as such, where you can still access the same characters, still just a, a kind of an arena version, as it were. It's mm. quite nice to get something else for the franchise that adds something else to it. But if, if, if it turns out, I mean, there's a lot of components, but if it turns out that it's a melting a melting pot of mayhem, then that kind of works very well alongside the Borderlands IP and how that presents itself mm-hmm. in the video game. Mm-hmm. So if you're but John, if you get you're that... ranged according to the stack card by our our images there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I, yeah. It'll be fascinating to see how it takes off and goes mm. because there's there's clearly a lot to go on with. They have yeah. the rule book there yep. for people there's to see, and it uses, and it uses the poly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean. You can get in and have a look and see whether or not it's going to be for you uh, before you buy, which is always handy. Mm-hmm. And there's clearly more than I, I want to say. Is Borderlands up to three? Right. Three Borderlands. Even yeah, more so, games than that now. Oh, is there? Oh, right. oh, three God. just came out, but right. So there's clearly enough stuff that they can dive into if they want to expand it in the future, mm-hmm. um, possibly even beyond the arena game itself. Uh, so yeah, it'd be fascinating to see where it goes. I don't know more than. Uh, somebody ran about and shot. There was a lot of explosions. <laughs> that's that's like basically Yeah, pretty much. Loot and explode. <laughs> I think I've seen a picture of him on the internet where somebody cosplayed him. 
with no, all like, the, the black really lines on his face yeah. and stuff. Yeah, see, the, two things. I, knew. I didn't realize he was from Borderlands, mind you. There you go. It was a cartoon, but you know, the, the cosplays I've seen are are unreal. When they nail that cell shaded look, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Which yeah. which is going to make it interesting for anyone getting the miniatures that does know how to paint like that. They're mm. going to make something really incredible. I'm. I would worry though that people are going to get it and then try and paint it in that style and they're going to struggle with it and actually lose interest before mm. they even get a game down of it, you know? Because mm. yeah. it, it, the art style sets a precedent, I think, in some form or other. I wouldn't want to paint it, personally. I'd just keep it the colours that it came in, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. yeah they're yeah. shiny coloured plastic, purple, red, and, <laughs> yeah. and some sort of... There was, a, there was a time before I didn't try and paint all my board game miniatures, and I'd like to go back to that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's certainly plenty in there anyway from yeah. Mr. Fight Club and Gearbox. Is it Gearbox? 2K. 2K. 2K, but Gearbox will soon. Ah, Gearbox. Yeah. <laughs> well, 2K so, published Gearbox design. So many names attached. And then uh, Macho Man Randy Savage, apparently, <laughs> doing this. Every time he pops up, all I can think is, oh, yeah. <laughs> that is what he, that's what that character is, though. It, oh, he is so, just Macho Man yeah. Randy Savage. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Happy days. Hopefully. Yeah. It's the reference you get, Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. With a bone saw for people who've only ever seen him through the medium of Spider-Man. Oh, bone saw. Yeah, that guy. (laughs) So there you go. Two awesome Kickstarters uh, at two very different ends of the spectrum. Very much so. Yeah. The data's investigative or mayhem. (laughs) Yeah. Take your time, chill. Relax with some delightful, whimsical adventuring, or just go running about an arena, exploding stuff while going, oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll leave it up to you. Uh, we're going to move on, have a relaxing weekend, and we'll be back on Sunday morning for the XLBS show uh, for our Cult of Games members. You can view that on tabletop.com. If you're not a cultist already, you can join us for a 30-day free trial. Don't forget to pop your comments in below if you want to pick up a copy of Twilight 2000. Uh, it's not the starter set. It is everything in one foul swoop. Uh, so it's not a cut-down rule set. That is a weighty, weighty box. It is a hefty box. <laughs> so don't forget to comment, like, be a subscriber, because if I check and you're not, I've got to pick somebody else, and I'm very lazy. It requires me to click a button. It's a lot of hassle. But until next week, bye-bye. Go ahead and check out our other content on screen now. And while you're at it, why not hit subscribe, and remember to ding our dong. Go on, you know you want to click it. Go on.